Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. time. This episode of The Read-Along is brought to you by The Loop, a new podcast from CBC Edmonton. Host Tara McCarthy of Edmonton AM takes you behind the scenes every week sharing the details that don't make it into the typical radio or TV story. There's always more to the story and more to learn about our city. That's what The Loop is for. We'll talk a little bit about everything. Politics, throw some arts in there, community of course. It's about all things Edmonton. Because there's always more to tell. There's always more to the story. Find The Loop on the CBC Listen app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find it online right now at cbc.ca slash Edmonton. So, uh, content warning for infant loss. Um, a little later than we probably should have for this novel, because we did not know that was a thing that was going to happen in this novel. Yeah, so we have to put it in front of this episode because we just discovered it. Yeah, um, obviously, like, part of the mandate for our show has always been to read the book fresh. Yeah, no spoilers. We don't read ahead. We're reading the book at the same time that you are as you're listening to, in theory, as you're listening to this podcast. And that means, unfortunately, sometimes it's a double-edged sword. Uh, and we stumble upon some potentially upsetting content that we were not prepared for and were not able to prepare you, our listener, for. So our sincere apologies if this chapter was triggering or upsetting for you or difficult for you. That was not our intention. We're going to continue forward because we're, we're reading the novel. Uh, but full disclosure, this was a somewhat difficult chapter for us as well. Yeah, for uh, several reasons. Um, yeah. If you've been paying attention, and I'm sure you have been, we have a new infant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as of recording this, she is three months old. And so this is very much dealing with an adult fear that is in mind. Yes. Because this is a very delicate age where so much can go wrong. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't happened to us personally but within our circle of friends, we have had infant loss. Yes. And it's hard. It is. And it's like the worst case scenario. It is. It's happened to uh, a couple of our friends. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean like to a couple who are our friends. I mean, it's happened multiple times in our circle of friends. And it and it's is horrible every time. It is just devastating to watch the very visceral trauma that happens to people whom this has happened to. Um, And because it's also happened recently in our circle of friends, this was kind of an unexpected shock that was kind of flicking a raw nerve. But the reason why I bring this up ahead of time and why we we decided we should bring it up ahead of time in kind of the preamble this chapter is because we want to put the discussion in context from where we're coming from, from. Yeah. It has not happened to us. It has happened to friends of ours. And... It has happened recently. So that's kind of the headspace we're in. Yeah. So now, you know, if we seem a little affected by this chapter, that's why. And oh. why we're also cognizant of the fact that it, it may be affecting to some of you, our readers, as oh, well. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yes. So with all that said, here we go. Uh, a brief recap of chapter 10 of our novel, uh, in which 
Beth and Zana take a trip back to Whittio Lane <laughs> and look for the house that doesn't quite fit in and find a woman who doesn't quite fit in, yes. who seems to be willing to happily, eagerly corroborate much of Beth's suspicions keen about Lewis Brain. even Indeed, to talk about things. Almost too keen, uh, suspiciously so from our perspective. But uh, she does give Beth more to chew on and possibly corroborate some of her story. And that leads Beth to not immediately go home, but to tell Dom that she and Zanna are going to go visit Flora's parents. And that is where we go in Chapter 11 of Perfect Little Children by Sophie Hanna. So Beth and Zanna motor on over to Carisbrook Road in Workingham, where she hopes Flora's parents are still living. Yeah, uh, she mentions in somewhere in this chapter that she only ever met them once. Yeah. And she was only ever at their house once. She even hopes that she's at the right house because she just kind of sort of remembers what it looks like. Yeah. Because it. It was yet another house that kind of stood out. Mm -hmm. Beth, in retrospect, didn't really think this one through. She said, I'm going to go visit their, her parents. And then when she gets there, she's like, oh, I hope oh, this is God, the right I house. I remember what house it is. Also, I hope they still live there. That part I can understand, because she definitely hasn't spoken to them in more than 12 years, I'm going to assume. Indeed. But it seems weird to me that you would be best friends with someone... Who's allegedly very close to her parents. Who's allegedly very close to their parents and not know their parents very well. Like, I know my best friend's parents. Yeah. You know your best friend's parents. Yeah. Your best friends know your parents. Lots of my friends know my parents yeah. and your parents. Right? It, it just seems strange to me that you could be super close with someone and not know their family, especially if that person is also close to their family. It is a little weird. Just saying. But that is the case. Mm -hmm. Maybe Beth wasn't as close to Flora as she believes she was. Maybe. It's hard to say. Because, again, we're all, we're all seeing it through Beth's perspective, of right? Of course. Yeah. So... Nevertheless, Beth and Zan go off to find Flora's parents, mm -hmm. and she remembers this house being a little odd, right? It stood out a little bit, and that's how she finds it, right? It's, it's the oddball on the lane, mm -hmm. and that's when I started to notice a pattern. Yeah, yet another pattern in this book. Right? The architecture around Beth is always standout-ish yeah. somehow. Her house is weird. Right, the Newham house, house is, is off to her, right? It looks like old and new mashed together. Tilly's house was the one that didn't fit in on Whitty Lane. Right, it was the one that wasn't kept properly, with my air quotes. And now Flora's parents' house, same thing. It's the odd one on the lane. Well, there, so what's with all this strange architecture happening to Beth? They even walked over to their friend's place uh, over the pub to have the phone Oh, call. that's right. So The, the out-of-place pub that people were protesting. Yeah. So what's with all the weird housing around just, around Beth? Just yet another weird through line in this novel. Yeah. And there's there's another one that will crop up shortly. Um, See, I can't help but wonder if that means something or if it's just coincidence and I've noticed it because it's we're a, being overly analytical of this novel. It's a motif that we might want to keep an eye out for at Maybe. this juncture. But also, I mean, Beth has a thing for odd architecture because she likes her quirky house. So maybe it's just the kind of thing that jumps out at her. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And because, again, we're reading the book through her eyes, mm -hmm. it's the kind of thing that she gloms onto. So That's oh, true. Gesundheit, baby. So Beth actually has Zana stay back in the car because her initial thinking is that 
Flora's folks might be a little more forthcoming to a single visitor rather than being like ambushed by two people out of the blue. Uh, and Xana is like, okay, fine. So long as you record everything so that I can hear it all later. And Beth has uh, issues with that. Yeah. Uh, it's... No problems getting into a stranger's car. Problems with recording her friend's parents. It's very strange. <laughs> very strange. Also, recording on her phone is apparently one of the few things Beth knows how to do with her technology. <laughs> oh, um, and for the record, I did look this up because I was curious. It is legal to record a conversation in the UK without the other person knowing so long as it is for personal use only okay if you have no intention of sharing it or broadcasting it or selling it or selling it fair enough it's fine otherwise you have to have consent it's pretty similar to the way that the law works here in canada but fair i was enough. just i was just curious if that came up like could could you legally do that yes you can okay so, just just well, i'm glad you looked that thing. up she's still uncomfortable with it and refuses to do it which Indeed. is not necessary it turns out anyway so it's fine and, and i mean beth has already broken the law in this novel so uh beth is in luck here. Flora's dad, Gerard Jed Tillotson, answers the door and asks if she's there to sell him anything. And she's like, no, I'm Beth Leeson. Do you remember me? <laughs> is this a like a cultural thing that we don't have here in Canada? Are you just super friendly with the people who knock on your door? Maybe. Just <laughs> Tilly, overly friendly, complete strangers. Jed doesn't recognize Beth, doesn't know that he's met her before, just... Super friendly. Hey, don't be selling me nothing. Uh Even the the caters, after Beth has already invaded their privacy, are just like, yeah, come on over. We'll chat. Yeah. Is that a UK thing that I am unaware of? Maybe it's a cultural thing. Because that is not how it works here in Canada. Uh, But as as I said, Beth asks if uh, Jed remembers her. And his reply is that he remembers very little at his age and advises her not to get old. So there's that other motif coming back up. (laughs) Where everyone's concerned about aging. Yep. Well, not everyone, just Beth. In particular. Well, Beth and Zana. Beth refreshes him on where he knows her from. And he immediately is like, is Flora okay? And Beth is like, no, no, I'm not here with bad news. And he replies, well, Flora's not here, if that's who you're looking for. And she's like, no, I've come to talk to you and your wife about Flora. That's why I'm here. And he shuts down. Yeah. He's like, you know what? You can go talk to the missus. She's round back in her summer house. Good day. Yeah, that pleasant, friendly demeanor, like a light switch. Gone, off, nothing. He retreats into the house. Yeah, he just wants nothing to do with the conversation. Red flag number one. And foists it off on his wife. Uh, So Beth goes around back to the summer house. (laughs) The converted shed. Knocks on the door. Rosemary Tillotson is surprised to see her. Beth asks after Flora, and Mrs. Tillotson starts to mount like an angry defense. And then just Yeah, like you can't just come in here and start asking questions and, and then just bursts into tears. Loses it completely. Yeah. Huge red flag number 2. So we smash cut to 20 minutes later. <laughs> um apparently in the interim Beth has apologized profusely and rushed back to her car, but before she can drive away, Jed came over and tapped on the window and invited them in for tea so that they could discuss things. Yes. And that's the tea where we... part is what you do over in the UK. I get that. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where we pick things back up. Everyone's sitting in the living room having some tea. Yes. So Jed starts by apologizing for sending Beth to talk to Rosemary, saying that he expected that maybe she would be better equipped to talk about Flora, but obviously that was not the case. Beth, to her credit, is kind of contrite here. She does feel bad that she's yeah. clearly upset these two 
Well, it was never her intention to upset them. Well, but she did come here to confront them. Yes, but confronting someone is not the same as wanting to upset them. She wanted to ask them some questions. Yeah. Also, She wasn't accusing them of anything. She just was looking for answers. Yet, because her paranoia already starts to creep up. And she begins to wonder if the Tillotsons are about to start feeding her lies the way she thinks the caters have. Yeah. Beth has also already done her usual snooping when she goes into a person's house and has noticed that there are no photos of Flora or Lewis or the kids anywhere. Nope. They're just non-existent. And yep. she thinks that that's very strange. A little bit. Yeah. And, and it is kind of strange. It is. Not everyone plasters pictures of family all over the place. No. But proud grandparents usually do. Usually do. Jed starts out by asking why she's there, and Beth had apparently intended to kind of tell them the whole story, but now seeing how distressed they are, she decides to rein it in a little bit, yeah, play it a little more cool. Not going to mention the weird stuff. She's going to give them, like, the abridged version <laughs> of, well, I saw Flora, and she acted strange, so I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, um... Like the abridged, abridged version. Well, that was the abridged, abridged version. She also mentions that she thought she ran into Flora at the old house, and then again later. And that's where she freaked out. She then mentions that she called Lewis and was told that they were in Florida. And this is actually news to Jed. He's quite surprised to hear that they're in Florida. And this causes Beth to just launch into a flurry of questions that actually gets her a stern look from Xana, who's like, you need to stop so they can answer. Whoa, calm down, calm down. Here's the deal. We have actually not heard from Flora or any of the family since May of 2007. And since then, we've been going out of our way to avoid hearing anything about them. The reason for this is because in May of 2007, Flora and Lewis visited one last time and just basically told us to our faces that we would never hear from them again. Yeah, that they were there to say goodbye. They were cutting ties. Yeah, and Beth is floored. I was floored. Yeah. Her instinct is to try to get some more time to process this answer. Like, her her initial instinct is like, I need to get out of here because this is too much. This is crazy. What's going on? And she resists the urge, but also takes a second to process this. And she realizes that the last time she saw Flora was actually in February of that year. Yes. 12-ish years ago. Yeah, just a month earlier. Mm -hmm. And that the great friends off apparently happened in December of 2006. So just a few months before that. Yes. And she almost lets herself think of what is assuredly the vital clue that would help make sense of everything that she's been hinting at since chapter one, but then waves it off as fast as possible. She has to swallow that because, heaven forbid, she... Have an epiphany. Have an epiphany. And her her excuse is she can't let herself get distracted by falling down that rabbit hole. She needs to focus on what's happening in front of her while she has these people who can answer her questions. So Beth asks, okay, why... Has this happened? And Rosemary says, well, the old Flora would never have wanted to cut ties with her family. But the old Flora pretty much died at the same time that Georgina died. Yeah. So this is where this chapter started to hit me like a very slow ton of bricks. Right? As this all... All the feels came crashing in. So... Georgina apparently died of... SIDS. Yes. The Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. Yeah, about six months old. Yeah, at about six months old. That would break me. I would not be okay. I mean, even Beth is 
reeling from this oh, revelation. Yeah, it smacks her right in the face. The world is spinning. Xana has to make sure she's okay. And I mean, it makes sense because we know that Beth has suffered a miscarriage and we don't know when that might have taken place. Nope. We don't know how far along she was. All Dom has said is that there was a miscarriage. And from the context, probably around the same time that Georgina died. I kind of what it sounds like. Yeah. So understandably, Beth is distressed by this news. Well, yeah. Jed mentions Georgina wasn't the healthiest baby to begin with. She had been six weeks premature. She was not very robust. And Jed and Rosemary say the old Flora would never have cut them off, especially because, I mean, they had done nothing wrong. This wasn't on them. But when they got the news, Rosemary says, like, she could see Flora was not the same woman. Like, it, she was not their daughter. Anymore. No, and understandably, it, it affected her and clearly affected her a lot. Yeah. Beth tries to follow up a bit on this, on why... Uh, they had decided to cut them off. And Jed kind of waves off the question. He's like, look, we've been asking ourselves this since it happened. And we don't have an answer. So if we don't have an answer for ourselves, we don't have an answer for you. And Beth says she understands, but internally she's kind of already convinced herself that Flora would not have willingly done this. So she's already kind of blaming Lewis on this again. Yeah. Because it all comes back to Lewis. Yeah. In and then her mind. I was just going to say, and then it all loops back around to Lewis again. Which it does. Jed offers up his suspicions, though. He's like, we've kind of settled on an answer, which is we think that Flora and Lewis were just so devastated by the death of Georgina that they just wanted to cut out anyone who would remind them of it. And that might even be why they moved to America, just to kind of make a fresh start of it far, far away. Now, if that's true. That is the unhealthiest way to grieve that I've ever heard of. It's not a very healthy way to grieve, no. No. I can understand wanting to isolate yourself for a little while, but again, it surprises me that someone so close to her family would be willing to cut them off entirely for an extended period of time. Especially while grieving. Right? And while they're grieving. A normal person would, I assume, like turn to your family for support and love. And that kind of thing. So it just struck me weird that they were like, nope, we're just going to cut all this out and run away. Now, Beth starts to think back to her phone call around this time. Because Lewis told Beth that Georgina was 12 years old back in Chapter 6. Yep. And Beth begins to wonder about that interaction and her interactions with Flora and tries to kind of wrap it around that context about how Flora never called her back and how Flora ran away from her in the parking lot. Lewis, she figures brazen as always, probably could have been on the phone with her for hours and sustained a lie as long as possible, but maybe Flora couldn't. Maybe she ran away in Huntington because she knew Beth would ask after Georgina, and that was not something that she wanted to deal with. But the more Beth thinks on it, the more it just doesn't add up. Yeah, it just doesn't seem right. Yeah, something about it wasn't sitting right with me either, I'll admit. Like, there was just, it, it didn't Right, it just seemed sense. a little off. Yeah, yeah me too. For Beth, the thing that really trips her up on it is Flora's reaction in the parking lot. Because she's like, if that was Flora, that was not a rational reaction, even for someone trying to avoid a painful conversation. And she blurts out, she's actually kind of worried that maybe Flora's in some danger and tells them about, like, Lewis's Instagram page. And Jed just kind of cuts her off at this point. It's like, look, we can't help you. We know less about what's going on than you know, clearly. And maybe, just maybe... Flora just doesn't want you in her life. 
which of course Beth is like, no, that doesn't make sense. Who wouldn't want me in their life? Despite the fact that they had this great friends off in 2006. Xana cuts off Beth at this point. Xana, who is a little more socially aware, I think, than her mother. Yeah. Um, around the time that Beth is like, look, she told you she doesn't want you in her life. She didn't tell me that. And that's where Xana's like, whoa, harsh, you need to stop. And is like, maybe it's time to go now. But Beth slips in, quote, one last question, mm. which is actually like six questions nested in one sentence. Yeah. And it is, did you like Lewis? Would he have ever harmed Flora, basically? And Rosemary is like, no, he would never have harmed Flora. He worshipped Flora. He loved the kids. But I did not like Lewis. And This is news to uh, Jed. Yeah, Jed is like, sure you did. And Rosemary's we like... We both did. Yeah, and Rosemary's like, no, I actually never did. I just kind of put on a pretense about it. I always felt like I had to be on around Lewis is basically what she says. Yeah, more or less. She had to put on this mother-in-law facade the, to, or more to, specifically the facade that he would react well to yes exactly like she she had this weird compulsion like he needed to be pleased yeah and she had in the back of her mind this inclination that if he wasn't pleased he would hold flora's relationship over them yeah like he would take flora and the kids away from them yeah she even describes at one point that visits with lewis always felt like they were his guests even when they were over at their house. Yeah. And it was very off-putting. That's weird to me. Beth tells them she asked after Georgina on the phone with Lewis, and Jed actually at this point makes a comment that starts to set off alarms in Beth's head, Yeah, but she ignores it because she's too angry at Lewis at this moment. <laughs> and it's he says, oh, well, Lewis wouldn't have liked that at all. And Beth's subconscious is screaming at her like, this is, this is a big red Wrong. flag. Wrong. This is bad. <laughs> Maybe Dom has been right, and maybe there is some danger. Yeah, maybe. Someone, again, is going to great lengths to gaslight Beth about this, if this is actually happening. And that might mean that Beth is in danger maybe. from Lewis Braid. Maybe. Who knows? I don't know who's in danger anymore. I don't know if Flora's in danger. I don't know if the kids are in danger. I don't know who the kids are. Meh. The newest question I've added to the lengthy list of questions I have is... Exactly what kind of a person is Lewis Braid? Because I don't know. Well, we're getting more and more information on Lewis Braid as we go. Yep. And I'm starting to see he... a lot of different sides of him, and I'm not sure which one is the real one. Well, we know that he possibly stalked Tilly. Possibly, yes. Uh, we know that he has a business in Florida. Okay. We know that he cut off Flora from her family, possibly, or that Flora decide made that decision herself. We don't know. Mm -hmm. But here's the weird thing. We get this impression that Lewis worshipped Flora, that he he always talked fondly of her. He never raised a hand against her. He was uh, always proud of the kids. Like, we get that from the Tillotsons. We even kind of get that from Tilly last chapter. Like, at these group meetings, he was al always had wonderful things to say about Flora. Yep. Filling her vacancy yep. with wonderful things to say about her. But then... This is a man who clearly was also deeply unhappy with his marriage. Yeah. Because. Because the he, whole Tilly thing. Because the whole Tilly thing. Because he found another woman who is easier than Flora. I'm beginning to wonder if Lewis isn't the one that Beth should be afraid of. Oh, you think maybe Flora's the one that she should be afraid of? If Lewis was that unhappy with his marriage that he came back from Florida to be with another woman, maybe Lewis 
isn't the problem in that relationship. And maybe mm. Beth didn't know Flora as well as she thinks she does. Maybe. Or maybe Flora really was a changed woman after Georgina died. But if Flora's the scary one, why would she run away from Beth? We don't have all the answers. I don't have any answers. Yeah. But I'm just saying that as much as we are being kind of directed at Lewis, I'm beginning to wonder if maybe it's sleight of hand. Maybe Sophie Hannah is distracting us with Lewis to hide the fact that something's going on with Flora. And because Beth was such close friends with Flora, she's not willing to go down that path. And she's laser focused on, well, something must be up with Lewis. Lewis was a braggart. He was a jerk. He was just an absolute boor. I don't even know why I was friends with that guy. And there was clearly something up with him. And if someone's the problem in that relationship, it's obviously Lewis. I'm beginning to suspect maybe that's a bit of a smokescreen. Maybe Lewis is not the problem. And the reason why I say that is because he stalked Tilly. And yes, it's a crappy thing that he did. And yes, I'm not saying it makes him look good, but why was he looking for an easy woman? And I don't mean easy in that way. I mean, why was he looking for someone less, uh, a less complicated, easygoing woman to be with? Lower maintenance. Yeah. Your theory holds a lot of water with me. I am intrigued. I think, I think you're probably right. I might be onto something. I think you are. We'll have to wait and see. Nah. I will also say that something happening to Georgina did not come out of the blue. Because we had posited earlier on that maybe Georgina was at the heart of this. Yeah, but I didn't necessarily see her. It was that it was her death. Yeah, that kind of came out of the blue. We had we had posited maybe something had happened to Georgina, but yes. not that she had necessarily died. <laughs> but not that. Yeah. So. And still, through through all of this, nothing has explained anything. The the <laughs> two small children who who are impossible. Yeah, the two impossible <laughs> children. Well, perhaps we'll learn more about the two impossible children as we segue into chapter 12 uh, in time for next week. In the meantime, um, our podcast is part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. They give us support, and they are supported in turn by many sponsors who provide various products and services. And I believe that now is perhaps an appropriate time to discuss said products and services. With PodPower, ATB is making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, we're giving a PodPower shout-out to... That's Food! That's Food, a new podcast from CJSR, Edmonton's campus and community radio station. That's Food explores the backstory of food in Edmonton, one meal at a time. It's handmade with love by University of Alberta students. You can listen to That's Food on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. You can also find it at that'sfood.transistor.fm. That's Food. Uh, Another interesting and excellent podcast to check out coming right out of here in Edmonton. Yeah, we've we've kind of become foodies, you and I, so that felt appropriate. Sure, why not? Uh, we've been doing a lot of cooking since the quarantine, <laughs> and we've been trying out a lot of new recipes. And Nita thinks that makes us foodies. I think that just makes us better domestic people. Foodies. <laughs> oh, anyway. come on. You can check out that podcast and, of course, all of the Alberta Podcast Network podcasts right now on your podcatcher of choice. The Alberta Podcast Network podcasts are also available at albertapodcastnetwork.com and on the CKUA app, where they are all generously hosted. We sound like we're being paid every time we say Alberta Podcast Network. I mean, technically we are. (laughs) Yeah, but we're not paid per statement. 
No, we are not. Um, you can, of course, give us a rating or a review while you're at your podcatcher of choice. Uh, some kind words and a few stars would go a long way towards helping our visibility. We would appreciate that. Uh, you can also find us online if you just want to fire us a, a comment or, yeah. or a thought. I've said it before and I'll say it many times again. We are on the Twitter, the Instagram, the Facebook, and the Goodreads. We are at the readalong at pretty much all of the above. Mm-hmm. We have an email address if you want to send us one of those. The readalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Goodreads.com.